Man, I'm happy to be here. I missed, I missed all you guys last week. So thank you. Thank you. I missed, I missed most of y'all. At, no, I'm teasing. I, I'm, I really miss, I don't like, I don't like being out of church. And so uh, it was, it was a little odd for me, but praise God. Uh, I wound up with a negative COVID test and uh, uh, had, had, had some direct exposure, but at the same time I had a negative COVID test. So uh, but still kind of did my diligence uh, per the CDC request and uh, quarantined. And at first, you know, like you, the first few hours of when you get the news, you're kind of frustrated, right? And some of y'all have had to quarantine and all that. You're like, ah, oh, man, I got all this stuff I got to do. I got to take care of it. I don't have time to quarantine. All of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I got two weeks. I got to stay at home and nobody's going to want to come over. And no one's going to want to bite. Man, you know, I tell you what. Quarantine ain't all that bad. So, no. <laughs> but, and I'll tell you what, we had some good preaching here last week, didn't we? Uh, man, I was sitting in the Dave Cave, amen, and David Lambert. That was a good, good word. And right in the line with everything else that we've been talking about uh, all, all these last few weeks, uh, because there's a war for your mind, a war over your soul, your suke, the Greek word is suke. It means psyche, that which pertains to your mind. And, and uh, one of the biggest uh, tools that the enemy uses is, uh, is condemnation. Yeah, not only does he try to give you thoughts that beat you up, he tries to get you to beat yourself up and, and think condemning thoughts. And, and David uh, shared with us how the Holy Spirit doesn't do it. The Holy Spirit will convict you. He'll, in, he'll illuminate some things in your life that need to change, but it's never condemnation. It can be corrective. It, but, but it's always sweet. Conviction always pulls you closer to God. Condemnation's always pushing you away. And so it's a huge tool of the enemy. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about our series today. It's war. And we're going to talk about, uh, we actually have a weapon. We, the last time I had a chance to preach, we talked about the armor of God, that he's got protection for you uh, and, and, and his goodness. You know, and, and really the protection is Christ. Paul just kind of chopped it all up as if it were armor, and, and we got to see just all the various ways that Christ really does protect us, that the word protect us. Uh, but it's all Christ, and Christ is the incarnation of the Word of God. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more today, but today we're, you don't just have armor because you woke up in the middle of a battle. You know, when he saved you and, and you woke up to your, who you really are, it turns out you're in the middle of a war zone. You're not on a cruise ship, you're on a battleship. And the battle is over your mind, and, and not just the mind, it's, it's the, this, this global mind that permeates, that the enemy and, and the Antichrist spirit permeates. By Antichrist, I mean, I'm talking about anti-word, anything that does not line up with the word, Christ being the embodiment of the word, anything that is opposing the word of God is, is an Antichrist, anti-word spirit. And it permeates this entire world. And, and the Bible tells us, don't, don't be conformed to the image of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, of your suke, right? Your psyche, to think different, to understand different, to comprehend. Then you're going to be able to see what the, will, the, the perfect will of God is, the Bible says. So that's what the war is over. So just, just to kind of uh, catch up, catch back up on some of our key verses we've talked about, 1 Timothy 6 and 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of the eternal life to which you were summoned and for which you confessed the good confession of faith before 
many witnesses. That's the one fight that's listed in the New Testament is the fight of faith. When you wake up in the morning, you got you, you, the, 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 the one thing that you got to fight is, are, am I going to trust God? Am I going to believe God's word in my life today? Regardless of circumstances, regardless of what the news sees or says, regardless of what uh, the family situation is, am I going to trust God in my life? Am I going to have faith or not? That's your one fight. That's it. And it's a, it is a full-time fight because you may wake up full of faith and by lunch you may be struggling, you know, uh, with your own flesh and with your own doubt. It happens. But it's, it's, that's what we want to keep, keep on going with. Ephesians 6 and 12, for we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents. People are not our, people are not our problem. People are not the enemy, you know. If folks, you know, oh man, we've had some Varying political opinions being spouted all over the place, from the news to social media, and anytime there's a changeover with presidents and stuff, damn people, you know, some people go nuts, some people get depressed, some people celebrate, over-celebrate, all this stuff. Look, that's, that's not the issue. Our problem is not people, right? Your problem is not your boss, your, your, your spouse, your family, your neighbors. Uh, the problem, this is the problem, mindsets, because our weapons, but, but against the, uh, we're roaring against the despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere, okay? There, there, are, there are demonic uh, uh, strongholds, there are demonic influences that do try to influence our, our minds. So today, we're going to talk about the word of God, the sword of the spirit. If we're, gonna, if, if we're saying take up the sword of the spirit, which Ephesians told us to do when we listed off the armor the other week, well, what does that mean exactly? Are we supposed to take the Bible and start flailing it around everywhere, you know? No, you're not really going to do much other than like wreck the glue that's in the Bible, right? Uh, maybe knock over a few things in your house and feel really dumb about it. But, uh, so what does it mean to take the sword of the spirit, right? What does that actually mean? Uh, the sword of the Spirit, it says, which is the Word of God. So the sword of the Spirit, it's the Spirit's sword. Think about it. It's the, whole, the Holy Spirit has a sword, and because He has come to infill you and dwell in you, you get to use His sword. Well, what is it? It is the Word of God. What does that mean? Well, you have to understand the three basic uh, Greek terms for the Word, which, uh, which are introduced to us. Uh, we kind of lose them in our English translation, but it does shed light on how, how familiar you can be with your sword and how you go about using it, okay? The first word I want everyone to say it is graphe. Graphe, that means the written word of God. The written word of God. So when you open up the Bible and you see the type, or if you pull it up on an app, or if somebody's written it down for you or whatever, that is graphe. It has been written down. Okay, the next word is logos. Everyone say logos. 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 It's Greek. It means it's where we get the word logic from. It means the the thought or meaning or spirit of the word. The logos. The the interpretation of the word. Hey, we got a click track playing. <laughs> Someone's keeping time. See. Rhythms all around us. Oh, we're gone. We're, it's gone. So uh, it was trying to keep me in tempo. Like, hurry this up, Dave. Hurry this up. Uh, 
Logos, it's the meaning of the word. The, the, the last word for the word is rhema. Everyone say rhema. rhema. It means utterance or spoken, the spoken word of God, okay? Uh, when we start looking at the, all these scriptures about the word of God, if we start dividing it up according to the Greek translation, graphe, the written word of God, logos, the meaning or the logic or the reasoning behind the word, or rhema, the spoken word of God, you start seeing how his word and when his word actually does become a sword, becomes a weapon, a very powerful weapon in your life. The Bible says that the, the word of God is, a, is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing the spirit from the soul, the spirit from the suke, psyche, your mind. If you want to know what, you know, if you want to know, did God really tell me that? Go to the Word. The Word is what's going to help you understand, yeah, this is the Spirit talking to me, or no, it's my crazy brain trying to rationalize something for me, right? Uh, so let's get into this. Graphe, the written Word of God. Why would you even want to write it down? Why does it need to be written down? What relevance was it when uh, dear old Constantine decided uh, to make a political move and federalize Christianity for the Roman Empire? Uh, he actually kind of did us a favor because he basically said, you guys don't even have a canon. You don't even have a book. You know, you got a bunch of manuscripts. Get it together and formulate it. And so you had a bunch of guys get together at the Council of Nicaea and some other time, uh, uh, other conferences. And uh, voila, we kind of, long story short, we kind of have our canon, our present day canon, which is the Bible, right? But thank God somebody wrote it down at some point, right? Uh, every scripture or every graphe is God-breathed, given by his inspiration, and profitable. It's profitable. If it's in the Word, even, why, why does the Old Testament have to have all those begots? You ever read that? So-and-so begot so-and-so, so-and-so, oh my goodness, just chapter after chapter of everybody having babies. And why do we have to know the name? Like, I'm telling you, it's, if it's in there, the, the Holy Spirit can use it at any time. Why? Because it's all profitable for instruction, for reproof and conviction of sin, for correction of error, and discipline and obedience, and for training in righteousness. That's in holy living, in conformity to God's will, in thought, purpose, and action. He's going to help you. If it's, if, if it's written down, it will help you, and you read it, it will help you to conform your thoughts, starting with your thoughts, right? Your thoughts, your purpose, and your actions. Uh, so, and, and I want to encourage you. If God gives you a word in the middle of the day, if God speaks something to you, write it down. Keep some kind of a journal. Keep a tablet. Write it down. Why? Because sometimes it's extremely, write, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. In other words, write it down. Why? Because it's going to give you power and, and, and peace and knowledge on how to, how to move forward, how to run, how to advance, you know? Uh, some, sometime, if this coming year, if you haven't already done it, spend time in prayer. Say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What direction do I need to go? What are things I need to achieve this year? How do you want me to change? Write it down. Don't just make a mental note of it. Write it down. Why? It becomes the graphe, the written word of God. If he spoke it to you, it becomes the word of God. Okay? It becomes life. Let's go to the next, this next uh, word, logos. It's the meaning or the logic, or the spirit, or the thought behind the word, right? 
Now we see that this is what this is pretty powerful. This is actually used in John chapter one. In the beginning, before all time, was the Word, which is Christ. In the Greek, it's actually in the beginning was the logos, the meaning of the word, the logic, the reasoning, this whole spirit of the word of God, of the Bible, was there in the beginning. And it says, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. God was the very logic, reason, thought process, and spirit of all existence. Then it goes on to say, and the Logos became flesh that holy logic, reasoning, and meaning got wrapped up in flesh and tabernacled, fixed his tent of flesh while a while, lived a while among us. And we actually saw his glory. Such glory as, only, as the only begotten son receives from his father. Full of grace. Now, this is what's powerful. When you start studying and reading the graphe, the written word of God, it starts becoming the logos within you. It starts shaping your heart. It starts infiltrating your mind so that the very meaning of everything you do surrounds him. And all your ways acknowledge him, the Bible says. When you start ingesting the graphe, the written word of God, the reasoning, the thought process, the rationale becomes the word. And the logos, once again, wraps itself in flesh. There's a reason why you are called Christian, not just because you supposedly joined a club and you prayed a special prayer and said, Woo, I'm here, I've arrived, I'm, I go to church now. You are, you are called Christians because the early believers reminded them of someone. You guys act just like that Christ. You guys are Christian-y, Christian-y. That's what Christian means. It means little Jesuses. So all of a sudden, the logos that was around from eternity past, once again, wraps itself in flesh. And you get to become the body of Christ. You get to become Christ. Why? Because you have the logo wrapped in flesh and you're hanging out, you're tabern tabernacling, tabernacling for a while. He wants to tabernacle or he wants to hang out with you. He didn't just show up to save us. He showed up to live with us. As the logos. 1 Peter 23. You have been regenerated, born again. You're transformed. You're new creatures, the Bible said, right? Not from a mortal origin, seed or sperm, but from one that is immortal by the everlasting, the ever-living and lasting logos of God. The meaning of God. The meaning and rationale of his thoughts. My, my biggest desire for you is not to memorize a bunch of scripture. I would much rather you find the meaning of a bunch of scripture and get it inside of you and let it transform you. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your logic, 
rationale, reasoning. Your logos needs to change. It needs to become his. James chapter 1, verse 22. Where are we at? Where'd I go? Oh, I missed it. But be doers of... Listen to this. I'll get to 2 Timothy in a second. James chapter 1, 22. But be doers of the logos. Obey the message. And not merely listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. Be doers of the word, James says. Be doers of the word. Be doers of the logos. In other words, don't get so consumed with, you know, we, get, we try to be doers of the graphe a lot, you know? It becomes very legalistic for some of us. Oh, well, the Bible says you've got to do it this way, this way, this way, and it's listed out this way, and it's, it's, we're trying to make something ancient very applicable to our life. What he's saying is, no, be doers of the logos. Be doers of the meaning of it, the reasoning of it, the thought behind it. That's what you need to do. Don't worry about the, 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 the practicum of, of uh, you know, of, of certain ceremonial cleansings and, and all that, but, but just get the point that I was trying to make with it and implement that into your life, the logos. Now, 2 Timothy 2.15, study. Study what? Study the graphe, the written word of God, and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved. How do you get approved? Well, you get tested by trial. A workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing or rightly handling and skillfully teaching the logos of truth. What he's wanting us to do is he's wanting us to get and study the graphe so that we can rightly understand and handle the message the rationale, the reasoning, the spirit of the word to implement it. How do we implement it into our society? Our society doesn't look anything like ancient societies from the Old Testament. It doesn't even resemble it. Yet all those truths, how can we study it to rightfully implement the word of God, the logos of God into our society? Psalm 119.05. Now this is actually coming from the Septuagint which would be the Greek translation of the Old Testament, right? Psalm 119 and 05 says this, your logos, your meaning, your thought, your logic, your rationale, God, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Why? Because man, my logic and my reasoning has got me in enough trouble in life. But when I implement your logic that I learned from your graphe, from your written word, man, it becomes light to my, a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, okay? Now, ironically, as powerful as graphe is, the written word of God, and as life-changing and transformative as the logos, the meaning and the spirit and the rationale of the word of God is, it's still not the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit is rhema, the spoken word of God. It becomes a sword and a weapon when you speak it out, because Ephesians 6.17 says this, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the spirit wields, which is the rhema of God, the Greek would say. When you speak the word of God out, when it comes out of your mouth, it becomes powerful. 
and it becomes life-changing and it can change the entire atmosphere of a room. It can change the entire dynamic of a family. It can change the direction of a business. It can alter a society and a nation when you speak the word out. Why? Because that's when it becomes a weapon. John had a, in, in the book of Revelation, had a vision of Jesus. He said in his hand was seven stars and out of his mouth was a two-edged sword. Well, what was that? Because Jesus was speaking his word. He was speaking it out. Now, Jesus gave us a perfect example of how to do this. Matthew 4 and 4. You remember Jesus was fasting and he was super hungry. And then the enemy comes, Satan comes and tempts him and says, look, you got the power. Turn this stone into bread. Well, he's battling, he's, he's battling hunger pains. Now, I don't know what you're battling. I don't know what temptation you have, but you want to know how to get victory over temptation? Follow Jesus' lead. He was tempted. Look, I deal with this. I'll be honest. I deal with, I deal with food temptations. Man, I'm on a weight loss journey still. And I've had good days where I've dropped. I've had rough days where I've gained. But I'm still on the journey. And there are days I got to use the word of God. Man, I'm rebuking my refrigerator, you know? I'm, I'm rebuking commercials on TV. Like, Don't show me that pizza right now. That's a, but this is what Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus responded this way. But he replied, it is grafade. Man shall not live and be held and sustained by bread alone, but by every rhema that comes from the mouth of God. Now, what did he do? He actually quoted from Deuteronomy. The actual scripture uh, was in reference when the children of Israel were wandering in the desert and they didn't have any food to eat in the desert. And yet they never starved because God provided manna daily for them. He provided from his own mouth, his own manna. And so, so what Jesus did, check out what he did. Jesus took the graphe, the written word of God, and he took the logos of it. He took the meaning of it. The meaning of it actually applied to the children of Israel in the desert. But he took the spirit of that meaning and applied it to a situation and a need that he was currently in. That's what, logo, the, the, that's what the, the incredible thing about meaning and logic and logos is that it's multi-layered, you know? Uh, Paul and his Haverims actually teach a, teaches a methodology. You know, you've got, you've got the meaning of the word of God and the context in which it was written. What was going on when it was written? Why did they say it? Why did they write it? How did it apply to that situation and that society at the time? And then, and then it leads you through a process until you finally understand, well, this is what it means to me. And this is how it can be applied to my situation. And this is how it can be applied to my life, even on a prophetic scale, on a, on a prophetic and spiritual side. How, how do I apply this to my life? How does it become a right now word for me, even though it was written 2,500 years ago? And that's what Jesus did. Jesus said, hey, it is written. It's been grafted. It's already been written down. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He took the meaning of it and he applied it to a situation he was in. And then he spoke it out. It became rhema, a spoken word, an uttered word. The word of God does not become the sword of the spirit until you speak it out. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm, I think I actually have that scripture somewhere down the line. Listen, it is the spirit who gives life. Who wants life in here? Who wants to be alive? Jesus came to give a lot of life. 
He said, I came to give a lot of life, life and abundant life. He said, uh, it's the spirit who gives you life. It is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit whatsoever. Uh, there's no profit in it. The words that, or the rhema that, that I have spoken, that I've been speaking to you are spirit and life. I'm telling you, when you speak the word of God, when you utter it out of your mouth, it becomes life into your situation. Romans 10, 7, 17, consequently, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the rhema about Christ. If you want faith to grow in your life, you've got to hear a spoken word about Christ, about the word, right? That's why you need, it's good to tune into podcasts that speak about, hey, turn off some of the political podcasts and turn on the word of God. How about that? You know, why don't we turn off some cable news and turn on some good preaching, some good, some, and not just preaching, some good music that actually has the word of God flowing through it. You know, look, I, I love all kinds of music, right? I love all kinds of genres. But, man, I'm sorry. There's, you know, as, as, as much as I enjoy them, Def Leppard doesn't feed me sometimes, right? You know, James Brown don't do what I need him to do for me. I have to find someone who's singing, uttering, speaking a rhema in song to help me get into a time of worship. Uh, as, as much as I love good commentary about society and politics and all that type of stuff, I got to turn that stuff off. Why? Because I need to find someone who's going to speak the word of God. Some of you need to stop texting and calling some of your negative family members and friends and find someone who'll get together with you and speak the word of God. Why? Because it's life and it boosts your faith. Say, well, I, I'm, I'm struggling with my faith. Well, faith only comes one way. Hearing a rhema, a spoken word of God. Not even read it and say, well, I'm the only one here. There ain't nobody else in my house. Then read it out loud. People probably think I'm crazy in the Dave cave where I live. Why? Because there's times I'm reading the Bible out loud. Why? Because I need to hear it. Yeah. It becomes a word, a sword. Ephesians 5, 25, 26. Oh, well, we'll get to that. That's a, that's a bonus. That's a bonus one. That's a bonus one. So... Here, here's how you use your sword as a weapon. You study the graphe. You read the graphe, the written word of God. Get it in you. Man, I've got the written word of God all over my house, whether it's on decorations, placards. I've got printouts. I've got it taped to my fridge. I've got it taped to my bathroom mirror. Why? Because when I get up in the morning, there's certain scriptures that I have that I will, I will quote. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, O Lord. Send now prosperity. That's the, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll decree a thing and it will be established to you so that light, so that your path may be illuminated and light may, path, may, may light up your ways. Why? I want to get this stuff in my head. So before I start the day, the first thing I've said is, hey, thank you, Lord. This is the day you've created. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice and be glad in you. What, what am I doing? I'm trying to get the, the, the graphe into me so that the logos can start transforming my mind. I don't have to wake up in the morning and go, man, what do I have to do today? Oh, and who do I got to talk to? Oh my goodness, I can't even do this. This is driving me crazy. I don't even want to go that way. I want the logos to, to recreate the logic and the rationale of my mind so that the first thing out of my mouth can be the rhema of God. And it's all the word of God, but it becomes a weapon when it becomes rhema, the spoken 
word of God. You got to get it into your heart. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, a man speaks. Thank you. Rhema comes from the abundance of the heart. Get the word of thy word. I have hidden in my heart that I might, may not sin against you. Above all, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. What are you filling your heart with? Man, there's some people this week, godly people, people that claim to be people of faith. And they've spoken, I've heard them since, since the inauguration, I've heard them speak more fear and more doom and gloom and destruction than I have ever heard anyone. And I think, man, who, are, who, who is our God? You know? What, what do I think about president number 46? I think I'm praying for him. I think I'm praying for Biden. I think I'm praying for Vice President Harris. Why? Because I want them to be led of God. Are they gonna? Well, that's up to them. I don't have any control over it. But I am gonna pray for them. And then I'm gonna put my trust in the King of Kings that has been on the throne long before anyone got elected president in this country. He'll, be, he'll be, still be on the throne long after there's no president in this country. And, and above all else, I praise God I'm a citizen of the U.S. But above that, I praise God I'm a citizen of his kingdom. And it's an eternal kingdom. I was a citizen long before I got here. I'll be a citizen after, after he sends me home. That's, and, and the kingdom of God is not, it doesn't matter who's, what the economy says, what Wall Street says, the, the economy of the kingdom of God is always yes and amen. His covenant, he said, I'm going to bless you. He said, I, he said I'm, I will make you a great nation. It's the Abrahamic covenant that we're grafted into. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. I will prosper you. I'll make your crops to yield. And he's done it. He's done it right here in this church. Here in the next few weeks, you'll get to hear it. During a pandemic year, when a lot of churches have almost had to fold because they've taken such a financial hit, God has prospered us. And if he's prospering this church, he's prospering the families of this church. Because, because we're serviced by the abundance of you guys. So God's word is faithful. But man, don't, you know, what's getting into our hearts? Don't let fear get into your hearts. That's the opposite of faith. Fill your heart with faith. How do I do that? You will start listening and hearing the rhema of God, the sword of the spirit. And speak it out. Speak it out. Speak the word over your kids. Speak the word over your jobs. Speak the word. Jesus didn't say, think to the mountain. Be thou removed. Meditate on the mountain. He said, speak to it. You got a mountain in your life, begin to speak to it, the word of God. Jesus didn't think about the tree being cursed. He spoke to it and it was cursed. You know? I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. There are some things in your life that are cursing you. Curse it in the name of Jesus. Get it out of your life. I'm not telling you to curse someone. But curse the situation. Hey, this situation has no bearing. You're not, enemy, you are not going to control my kids. You're not going to get in and cause division in my family. And, and we, are, we are together in the name of Jesus. We are unified. We are one. The Spirit of God, there's only one faith, one baptism, one Lord. Uh, Kate read it before service, at the top of the service. He is unified. Speak it over, speak it over your family. Husbands, husbands, you want your marriage to be blessed? Speak the word of God over your wife. Here we go. This is the bonus, right? All the wives better amen me on this. <laughs> Ephesians, hey, oh, look at that. We already got an amen on it. Husbands, 
love your wives as Christ loved the church. Woo, that'll preach right there. How does Christ love the church? Unconditionally. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he loved us. That means he loves you on your worst day just as much as he loves you on your most holy day. Husbands, that means love your wives the same, the same way you loved her on the day she was your beautiful bride and you looked at her and just was madly in love. You got to love her with that much intensity on the days that she's that old battle axe. <laughs> in other words, on, on the day, hey, look, the world, the world wears on all of us. And on the day she's having a rough time, love her. Now look what happens. This is pretty powerful. And gave himself up for her. So hey, you're going to have to lay aside some of your own intents and give, give yourself up for her some so that he might sanctify her. That means to set apart. That means you got to take some time and set your, set your wife apart. Why? Because she's a woman above all women. She's your wife. And you love her unconditionally. Set her apart. Now this is powerful. Having cleansed her by the washing of water. So you can do something as if you're washing away all the grime of the world and all the cares of the world. You can wash it off of her like water. By what? With the, in the Greek, it would say, rhema, the spoken word of God. You want to get the cares of the world off of your wife? Then you love her the way Christ did, unconditionally. You set her aside. Why? Because, she, hey, she's holy. She's sacred. You're sanctifying her. You're setting her aside. And then you're going to speak the word of God over. Hey, baby, come on in here. I know you've had a rough day. Sit down. Sit aside. Don't worry about it. Put your feet up. I'll take care of dinner tonight. I'm calling Domino's right now. Don't worry about it, right? Whatever you got to do, guys, because some of y'all don't cook. I realize it. Whatever you got to do. Hey, we got Uber bringing, bringing Taco Casa or whatever, you know. Just, just, but don't you worry about a thing and, and we'll get everything cleaned up. And then you just start telling, look, you ain't, you ain't, you're not all that stuff that your boss tried to say to you. You're a woman about, you're a Proverbs 31 woman. You're resourceful. You've done a good job building your house up and you do a good job putting our family together. And God's got plans for you. There are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and all man, speak the word of God over. Why? That's because it'll bring unity to your home. It's powerful. The rhema word. Everyone stand up. I'm done. Finish with all (laughs) y'all. Father, I thank you so much. Lord, I pray that your word, your rhema, uh, can be used as a powerful weapon, a weapon for freedom, a weapon for life, a weapon to change our very thoughts and our very nature and to transform us. Teach us to speak your word. Whoo! Look, I want to encourage somebody that don't, don't get caught up on trying to recite Scripture. You know, you say, well, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm horrible at memorizing Scripture or whatever. Look, this is, this is what I want you to do. <coughs> Excuse me. The logos of the graphe, the, the meaning of the graphe, get that into your spirit. Because when you speak that out, it's still just as powerful. I've, I've, I've been blessed to be able to, to a handful of times to go into Viridian Elementary and actually speak to the entire faculty of the school. I'm talking about teachers all the way to cafeteria workers gathered together. 
and, and someone's like, isn't that hard because you're a preacher and you can't go in there and, and you can't preach the Bible, they'll kick you out. No, absolutely. I, I still preach the Word of God. Now, I don't sit there and say, you know, John chapter 3, verse 5 says, thus saith the Lord. But the meaning, I, 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 I preach, I'll pick out one of my sermons that the Lord leads me to. And that's what I preach. Why? Because it's the Word of God. I may not give reference. I may not call it the Word of God or the Bible. But there's times that I've said, hey, yeah, it's been written in the past. And I'll quote it. May not give reference. But what happens? The rhema word of God becomes such a weapon that, yeah, afterwards, privately, I've, I've prayed for dozens of teachers that have come up to me afterwards all these times. Or they'll catch me in the parking lot whenever I'm going to pick up my girl from school. And they'll say, hey, Dave, 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 can you communicate? I've got this going on. Can you pray for me? Can you do this? Or they'll, they'll text me or email me and confide in me. Why? Because the word of God is that powerful that you don't have to have reference book, chapter, and verse. We actually added that in there when we were translating it many, many years ago. When it was originally written, they didn't have numbers and chapters and verses, all that stuff. So what he's wanting you to do is concentrate on his graphe so much, get the meaning, the meaning in you so that your very words can be words of life, words of transformation. Get into a Bible study. You know, we got the men's going on at 7 a.m. on say, man, that's early. I'm telling you, it is worth it. It is worth it. It is worth it. If you don't want to roll out of bed, we, got, we, we stick a link out there. Let me know. We'll get you a Google Meets link, and you can join us. We, we had uh, three people join us online. We've been having about nine folks show up. Uh, the Ladies, you got a Bible study on Tuesday nights. It's 6, 6.30? 6.30 a.m. over at Erica Carpenter's house. P.M. 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 Not 6.30 a.m. Woo! 6.30 p.m. 6.30 p.m. Uh, tonight it's starting for you guys, right? Because you were delayed from a, uh, Paul and Lynn Gibbs are hosting another Haverine. And, and matter of fact, the, the subject that you guys are talking about, if I'm correct, is actually doing what we've been talking about, which is learning how to tell what is the spirit and what is your own crazy brain, you know? Hey, how do I, how do I divide this up? Well, the word of God, he's going he's gonna to walk you through some of that stuff. If you're interested, get with him. He'll plug you in. But in the meantime... We got one more. We got one more lesson we're going to talk about next week, and we got one more form of weaponry that we get to use in times of of trouble and times of blessing. And it actually still has to do with your mouth, and it's called praise. There's all kind of ways to praise them. So uh, before we before we get into it next week, we got one more song we're going to do, and I double dog dare somebody to cut loose and just begin to praise them and celebrate. Why? Because he's given us a new year, a new day. We got some great things that are taking place here at the church, some things worth celebrating. One of which is we've got a great outreach effort that we'll be talking to you about here in, in, the, in the next few weeks. And uh, everyone gets to participate if you want. We're going to be dropping some gifts off to a whole lot of, a few hundred houses here in the neighborhood uh, and blessing, blessing the folks that are moving in. But we got a lot of things to celebrate. But most of all, he's reason enough to celebrate. So I double dog dare someone just to cut loose and celebrate, right? It's time to celebrate. We've had enough mourning. We've had enough irritation. We've had enough downward spiral in life. Man, he's, he's got great plans for us. Amen. Father, bless, bless this church. Bless this fellowship. Lord, if someone's here that doesn't, has, never, has never made a commitment to live for you, Lord, I pray that your, your holy conviction 
just draws them close. Lord, if anyone has a need and they need prayer, Father, I, I'm, I'm available. As soon as service is over with, someone hunt me down. I'm going to pray for you. But Lord, we glorify you and we thank you because we were all dead in our sins. But, but you called us out of that grave to live a life full and vibrant and victorious for you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen.